You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. God is a holy God. Know more about this truth in our series on holiness, entitled Set Apart. Listen to this message by Pastor Ariel Marquez. Alright, we are talking about Set Apart, and this really is about holiness. Now, how many of you would say that you are a holy person? Can you please raise your hand? Walang magtaasa. Humbly. Okay, humbly. How can actually, who can actually say that you are a holy person? Not because of what you do, but because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Can we just give the Lord a hand? I believe that this is not a catch question. But really, we have been set apart for a special purpose of God. And we're talking about holiness. I want us in the next four weeks to be able to understand what holiness is, holiness is all about. And sometimes it can bring confusion. What does it mean to be holy? How can I live a holy life? In fact, when you hear the word holy, what comes to mind? Some of you are imagining somebody who's wearing long hair, white gown, with no makeup, you know. Is that a holy person? Or maybe somebody who lives in the caves, or maybe lives in the mountains. Is that a holy person? Because that is set apart. They've, they've separated themselves from the world and decided to live a holy life. Is that what holiness is all about. And so we're going to be looking at this in the next few minutes. Can I request everyone to please stand up? And we're going to be reading from Romans chapter 2, beginning in verse 1, Romans chapter 2, verse 1 to verse 5. All right. You therefore have no excuse. You pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you pass judgment, do the same things. Uh, verse uh, 2. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for our time this afternoon. May you bless the preaching of your word. I pray, God, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation to know you better and to understand what it means to live a holy life because you have called us as a holy people. You have set us apart from this world and we are to represent you as children of God. We thank you, Lord God, that you would bless your people today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. Basically, the objective of this series for the next four weeks, so starting today, we're going to be going through the next uh, four weeks. So we're going to talk about the holiness of God, holiness of God today. Next week, we're going to talk about in Him. Everybody say, in Him. Amen. Basically, that's justification or our uh, placement in the Lord. And then week three, we're going to be looking at with Him. That's the process of sanctification or the growing uh, of our relationship with Him. And then week four is like Him, that you will be exactly like Him when He appears in all His glory. Now, sometimes when you talk about uh, a certain 
recreation like diving. You know, I've, invi I've been invited to dive by one of our you know, former members of this church. She's now attending our church in Makati, Gigi Santos, who's a, uh, you know, a, uh, a master diver and an instructor. And so I, uh, you know, I actually went one time to, to Palawan to try out diving, but you know, diving is not really for me. It's not my thing. And I'm not really sure if you like diving. Now, how many of you like diving? How many of you would like to swim with the sharks? <laughs> you know, it's, it's nice. I appreciate the creation of God under the sea. I can watch Little Mermaid all day long. And, but when you're actually down there, it's a bit different. And uh, when me and my daughter, Bea, went there, and tried out the intro dive. We went maybe about, I don't know, I forgot, maybe 10 feet or maybe 15 or 20 feet. We went down and we saw a big clam that's got an open mouth. And I was so curious. What is this? I went for it and tried to touch the clam. And suddenly it closed. I said, oops. I said, this sport is not for me. I decided right away to go up there, and I said, Bea, I'll see you up there. <laughs> no, I actually spent a few more minutes, but I said, you know, this sport is, is a bit of, you know, maybe a bit of a training, because I, I grew up, you know, watching, uh, you know, like Jaws, and so I, I'm a bit scared of the underwater world. Anyway, I need to go through Victory Weekend to be delivered from that. <laughs> But my attitude towards this sport or this particular recreation, diving, is it's not for me. And I think some people have actually looked at holiness and said the same thing, that holiness is maybe not for me. Yes, I, you know, maybe because we all know that in order for us to get saved, it is all by the grace of God. Amen. You can't do anything to add on to what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Isn't it? You know, when we get saved, all we have to do is believe God by faith. For we are saved by the grace of God. This is not for himself. It is by faith. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no man can boast. You know, we all know and we understand that. But somehow we think, that, or some people think that, since I'm saved by grace, then I don't have to walk a holy life. Since I'm going to be saved anyway... Since I'm going to heaven anyway, so what's the use of walking a holy life? Maybe holiness is just for some, but holiness is not my thing. Are you getting what I'm saying? Because some people are thinking that holiness is just for a select few. But let me just tell you this. If you are a believer, look at the person beside you. And tell that person, are you a believer? Or ask that person, are you a believer? You answer. Okay? If you are a believer, God is expecting us to be holy and to live holy lives. Amen. But what does it mean to be holy? Sometimes you think, ang hirap naman ito. You know, does that mean that I have to, you know, uh, really sacrifice every day, fast, you know, once a week? You know, give my all, go to missions, you know, become a pastor, 
or you know leave my job and you know do a lot of things that will you know uh, risk my life for the gospel if you're called to do that why not but if you're not called to do that don't do it because holiness is not just becoming a pastor or a minister of the gospel holiness is a way of life holiness basically is started by the grace of God and is sustained by the grace of God. Many times we confuse holiness and grace. We think that one is better than the other. There's no competition between the two. I believe that God is a God of grace. How many of you believe that God is a God of grace? How many of you know that God is a God of love? He's a God of mercy, right? But He's also a holy God. When you talk about holiness, our God will never tolerate sin. A holy God means that He is set apart. He is not like other gods. He is a righteous God. Always does what is right. And He institutes righteous judgments. And sometimes He gives out righteous wrath. And we'll talk about that later on. Holiness. An unbalanced view of God's grace sometimes will make holiness a passe. Sometimes we look at the extreme grace and say, God is a God of grace. And I can live however I want to live. Anyway, God will forgive me. I think that is an unbalanced view of God's grace. Amen. But there has to be a balanced view of God's grace. Because holiness without grace will lead to legalism. Are we here this afternoon? We can't just, you know... Subscribe to being holy. Just follow a bunch of do's and don'ts. Without the grace of God, that will become legalistic. I was sharing this morning that I basically grew up in, uh, actually in Tahanan Village. And I, as a young boy, I volunteered as one of the altar boys in the church of the Pagkabuhay in BF. And I became a member of the Dominic Savio Club. I feel holy as a young boy. When I was joining that club, I said, wow, we are part of the elite force in this church, catching the Holy Communion, assisting the priest in their, in their Mass. And so I was feeling that way. And my, 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 my sense of salvation is a bit whacked. I thought that by serving in the church and by sacrificing and by you know, being part of that particular club and by doing this and by doing that or, you know, uh, not, you know, sacrificing in another, in other, in other uh, areas of my life that I, I can actually be, cl- be close to God. Then, when I was 18 years old, I finally got saved. I realized that I cannot be saved by doing good works, but we can all be, only be saved by the grace of God, by faith in the finished work of, work of Christ. That's why, you know, when I was a young boy, I was a bit legalistic. I thought that I can actually live a holy life not needing the grace. On the other hand, grace without holiness will lead to licentiousness. It's basically talking about just living your life however you want to live it. Anyway, God is a God of mercy and grace. God is a forgiving Father. God will say, don't worry, my son. I forgive you even before you confess. You know, it's, it's not about 
abusing the grace of God. I believe that we need to view God because there's no difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. Sometimes we think and we view God of the, the, of the Old Testament as a God of wrath. That when the people of God sin during that time, God will actually just open the, open the earth and swallow His people. And we view the God of the New Testament as a God of grace and a God of love and a God of mercy. How many of you know that we serve the same God? There's no difference between the God of the Old Testament and the God of the New Testament. It's the same holy God and loving God that we serve. The same God who loved today, who's loving today, is the same God who was loving then during the time of Noah, during the time of Adam, during the time of Moses. He was the same loving, holy God that we know. Amen. That's why when you talk about holiness, this concept of holiness did not come from man. It comes from God. In 1 Peter, Peter was writing about this. And you would view that holiness is actually not a passive word. It is an active word. In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, it says, Therefore, everybody say, therefore. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. And many of us were ignorant then. We were doing, and we were sinning, we were, when we're tempted, we don't even think about temptation, we just do it. Because we were actually slaves to sin. But in verse 15, but just as he who called you is holy, so what? Be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Look at the person beside you. Tell that person, be holy because God is a holy God. We see the same words written in Leviticus chapter 11, verse 44. He said, I am the Lord your God. Consecrate yourselves and be holy because I am a holy God. What does being holy means? To be holy means to cut, to be separate, to be morally pure. Pastor Saul used uh, a illustration a while ago, of course. If you have your own toothbrush, that is holy unto you. I hope that you don't share that with your wife or your children because that is separate. That is specifically meant for a purpose and that is just to serve you personally. Of course, that is a crude illustration, but when you talk about God, you know, treating us as a holy people, it means that He wants to separate us from the world because we have a special purpose that God wants to fulfill. Amen. In Leviticus chapter, uh, sorry, in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, verse 14, it says, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And maybe some of you are saying, maybe holiness is just for the Old Testament. Let's check this New Testament verse. And it says, Do not be yoked together with whom? Unbelievers. Do you know what yoke means? Yoke is not the part of the egg that you cook in the morning over easy or over hard. But yoke is that part that you put on two oxen 
so that these two oxen can walk together in order to plow the ground. That's the yoke. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is the wooden thing that you put on the neck. For example, can, I, can I ask Pastor Saul? Wala akong yoke dito, no? But just in case, you know, we're two oxen, okay? Ox number one, ox number two. If we will put a yoke, this is the yoke, okay? Wherever I go, he goes. So if there's a driver in the back, and if he wants us to go a straight line, wherever I go, he goes. If I turn, he turns. Because we're yoked together, right? And the yoke is meant to keep us together and not to keep us apart, okay? Thank you, Pastor Saul. So basically, that's the illustration of the yoke. The Bible says, do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. This is not saying that you don't talk to any unbeliever anymore. I'm not talking about you not engaging with your unbeliever friends or your family members who are not saying, we need to go out there and reach them out for the love of Christ. Amen. Amen. That is not what we're talking about. I want you all the more to go out there. To be salt and light wherever you are. You may be in your office, in the call center, or maybe in the church, I mean in the in the schools, or maybe in your family. Go and talk to unbelievers. But you are not to do what they're doing. You are not to live the same lifestyle that they're living. In your desire to reach out to them, be careful that you fall into the temptation that the enemy might put before you. Amen. Because sometimes what happens is, you know, your burden, you know, I want to pray for my friends, and they're always in the bar. But you know for a fact that your weakness is drinking and drunkenness. And you're praying, Lord, give me strength. Give me the will to say no to wine. I want to engage them. So you go to the bar. And you win your friends. You're sharing about Jesus to them. Can I order one martini or, you know, <laughs> Lord, isa lang. And as you do that, you're sharing, alam mo, pare, Jesus loves ya. <laughs> and after drinking a case, do you want to give your life to the Lord? <laughs> Looks like you're going ahead of him, man. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And as God has said, I will live with them and walk among them. And I will be their God. And they will be my people. Therefore, what does the Bible says? Come out from them and be what? Be separate. Be holy. Be set apart. Be cut out, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. And I will receive you. I will be a father to you. And you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. You know, sometimes if you look at this teaching... Lord, ang hirap naman yan. How many of you sometimes feel this is tough? Though we live in the world, you know, we, 
You know, I, God knows we live in the world, but yet He cannot tolerate sin because that is His very nature. Because God is holy, He cannot tolerate sin. Now, how many of you will be honest with me that you actually sinned already from the time you got saved? Please raise your hand. I'm raising up my hand. Okay? Why is that? God calls us to be holy and yet sometimes we sin. Anybody here who has not yet sinned? Can you pray for me? <laughs> After the end of the service. I think all of us are a work in progress. What happened with us is when we got saved, we were justified. Because of our faith in the Lord Jesus, we were made in right standing with God. You are going to heaven no matter what. Your eternal security is there. You're assured of your salvation. You're going to heaven. How many of you are, are sure of that? How many of you are going to heaven? Please raise your hand. Come on now. How many of you would like to go to heaven right now? Okay? <laughs> someday, right? Someday. But we're sure. We're sure we're headed there, right? We're on a one-way ticket to heaven. Amen. But yet, how many of you sin from time to time? And how many of you know that God hates sin? Hmm. Have you ever thought of that? It's because this is the process of sanctification wherein the Holy Spirit is now working in our lives, changing us. Every single day as you spend time with Him, all the more you become more and more like the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, you are becoming like Christ. You are becoming like Christ. Okay? You know, we are all work in progress, and you've heard of me say this many times, right? Don't worry. God is not done with you yet. Tatapusin ka rin ni Lord, di ba? I mean, literally, in the literal sense, He who is faithful, who started His work, will be faithful to com- complete the work in us. Amen. And the glorification part is when He appears someday, we will be like Him. That is the eradication of sin. And so what happened was, when you're justified, the penalty of sin was erased already. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is what? It's death. We're all deserving to go to hell, right? But because Jesus Christ paid the penalty of sin, we are not going to hell. That's what happened in the past. What is happening right now in the present is the process of sanctification. The power of sin is being broken over our lives. Many times we are victorious. Sometimes we stumble and fall. But yet God is not done with us yet. Because He is breaking the power of sin over our lives. You are starting to say no to sin, no to sin, no to sin every single day. Amen. And that is the power of the grace of God in you. In fact, that is not even holiness. Yes, holiness is the outcome of the work of grace in our lives. In Titus it says, This is the grace that appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passion. That is grace. Grace is not just you know, having this mentality or mindset, eh, papatawa, ano ako ni Lord eh. 
So let it be, let it be, let it be. I'm just going to live my, you know, my life, whatever. No, you know, if you are living a life of sin, you don't understand the power of God's grace. Because the power of God's grace is the one that sustains us to live a holy life. Amen. Because God is holy, He cannot tolerate sin. Romans 2.5 says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when His righteous judgment will be revealed. There's going to be a day of reckoning. You know, God is patient with us. He's not going to hurl down curses upon us. But guess what? Every sin has its own consequences. Don't let the consequence of sin catch up with you. In fact, in Habakkuk chapter 1, Habakkuk 1.13 says, Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrong. And we heard this, you know, that God somehow has righteous wrath and righteous indignation about sin. You know, God is angry with sin. And how many of you here have had anger in your life? How many of you became angry already? Anybody here? You know, we get angry for whatever reason. Whether it's on the road, driving, or maybe you get angry with your kids, or maybe with your spouse, maybe with your, I don't know, employer, employee, whatever. You know, we get ticked off. And our anger is different from the Lord's anger. Our anger is based on emotions. But, but God's anger is not based on His emotion. God's anger is based on His attribute and His very nature. Because He is a holy God and He will not tolerate sin. That is the anger, the righteous indignation that God has. Remember when Jesus turned you know, all the tables in the temple? And he said, you've turned my father's house into a den of robbers. He was angry at that time because he doesn't want to tolerate sin. Because God is holy, sin brings death. We all know this scripture, for the wages of sin is death. Ultimately, if you sin before the Lord, you die. You deserve to go to hell. There's no difference between White lie and green lie, yellow lie, blue lie, brown lie, black lie. It's all lies. Hello? God doesn't categorize lies. There's no mortal sin or venial sin. There's no big sin or small sin. A lie is equivalent to murder or plunder or whatever. In the eyes of God, sin is sin and sin brings death. And because of this, we need a Savior. Amen. The good news is Jesus came to our rescue. And we were all drowning. How many of you saw a drowning person, you know, lifted out of the water and he, he did the CPR on himself? Anybody here? You know. <laughs> you know, I've never seen a drowning person, you know, exercise CPR on himself. When you're drowning, you need a savior. You need a lifeguard. You know, this is the picture of a CPR. You need somebody there, you know, pumping, you know, on your heart. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for us. He went for us. And He saved us from our sins. In fact, you know, I, I often hear testimonies about, you know, you know, when people say, you know, when I, you know, I was looking for God before I was lost, but I was looking for God. Guess what? 
we're not looking for God. God was never lost. We were the ones lost and God was the one looking for us. We were the ones rescued by God and we were the ones redeemed by God because of His death on the cross. That's why if you look at holiness, only Christ's redemption leads to holiness. Only a redeemed person can be holy. If you're not born again, if you're not saved by the blood of Jesus, it is impossible for you to attain holiness. It's only people who are saved, blood-bought, and who are in faith with what Jesus Christ did who can be holy people. If you are redeemed, you are actually God's own people. And you have been set apart for Him, by Him, to be enjoyed by Him for His purpose. I'd like to ask the music team to join me here on the stage. And as I read this, this is just a meditation as we prepare for communion right now. Romans chapter 3, verse 21 and 26 says, But now a righteousness from God, apart from the law, has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. And this righteousness from God comes through faith in whom? In Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in His blood. He did this to demonstrate His justice because in His forbearance, He had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. Here we can see that God was just exercising His patience and forbearance, not wanting men's sin to actually catch up with them. But in His patience, He was actually waiting for men to come to repentance. He did it to demonstrate His justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. Because God is a holy God, sin will bring death. We all deserve to die. We all broke the law. We were all criminals before the Lord. But the good thing is this. Because God loved us so much, He decided to send His very own Son to die on the cross in our place so that the penalty of sin and the wrath of God will not be poured out on us but will be poured out upon His Son on the cross. You know what? If you come to think of it, as I reflect on my own life, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sins upon that cross. You know, there's no way for us to find out because what Jesus Christ did 2,000 years ago is more than enough to pay the penalty of man's sin. How many billions of people are there in the world today? Seven billion? That covers more than enough. Seven, mil- seven billion people today, even the billions that died ahead of this seven billion who are alive today, your past sins, your present sins, our future sins have been covered by the blood of Jesus on the cross and our response 
ought to be a grateful heart. Not a heart that is abusive of the grace of God, but a heart that responds to His love for us and a heart that desires to live a pure and holy life before the Lord. Amen. We hope you were inspired by that message. Watch out for Victory Worship's first original live album entitled Radical Love to be released on iTunes and CD format starting September 12, 2014. Download the Victory Alabang app for more updates. Thank you and stay connected.